Good morning, everyone. Awesome. Um, thank you, Pastor Richard and praise team and the choir for leading us. And um, I am going to take this opportunity now to embarrass three more people. Um, Pastor Richard, Miss Dory, and Miss Emma. Um, if you were not here last night for their Faith's Call concert, um, you missed out. I will not be biased in saying that. You missed out on an amazing worship um, opportunity. Um, so thank you, Pastor Richard, Dory, and Emma. Let's give them a hand. So I found out a couple months ago that um, Pastor Andrew was going to be on vacation this week, and he was like, do you want to preach? I was like, absolutely. Um, different pace for me than talking to our youth and our children. Um, I'm loving the opportunity to talk to our adults today. But when I found out the topic I was preaching on, I think he did that on purpose. Um, so last week, if you were here, we started our series on a healthy church. Um, it's a four-week series where we're going to be looking at different aspects of what it means to be a healthy church. Last week, Pastor Andrew talked about a healthy church loves one another, that by our actions, we should show it by the example that Jesus gave us. Today, I get the awesome privilege of speaking on a healthy church serves one another. Again, he did that on purpose. Um, but no, I am excited. Um, I just kept going back and forth on what to preach on today because there are dozens of stories that you can look at for serving and how to serve. But I just kept coming back to Jesus feeding the 5,000. Again, it's a familiar passage that most of us, if you've grown up in church your life, you've heard it, or if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard it. Um, so that's where we're going to be at today. So if you have your Bibles, um, the words will be on the screen. We are going to be in John chapter 6. Um, but before we do that, let's pray. God, I do thank you for who you are. God, I thank you, as Pastor Richard said earlier, that we have this opportunity to come together and to gather together and worship openly and freely, and I pray that we would never lose sight of that. God, as we prepare to look at your word today, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, that only your words would be spoken and heard today. God, that the hearts and the ears of these individuals would be open to your word today. And God, if there are people here today who don't have a relationship with you, I pray that before they leave today that they would make that commitment and give their life to you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few days after the Pearl Harbor attacks, there was a small city in Nebraska called North Platte. They heard that this train of National Guard soldiers was going to be coming through so that they were going to stop at their station. So the people of North Platte decided that they were going to gather a bunch of clothes, food, rations to be able to give to these soldiers as they continued on their journey to help their um, fellow soldiers in Pearl Harbor. So when the train got there, a National Guard team did get off, 
but it wasn't the Nebraska National Guard that they had been preparing for. It was actually the Kansas National Guard. So these people in North Platte, they had a decision to make. Do we serve our fellow soldiers and our countrymen, or do we take our stuff back and keep it for ourselves? Well, obviously it was a time of war, and as Americans, they pulled together, they came together, and they served those soldiers. Despite having a different background, a different um, dialect, they knew that these people needed their help and that they were going to do that. So a few days later, this story got out to a news anchor in a paper where they wanted this to be known that Nebraska was serving troops coming through. For the next four and a half hours, the surrounding communities came together and served over 8,000 soldiers. And it's said that it's estimated by April 1st, 1946, six million soldiers had been blessed by this small town being willing to go above and beyond and to give of their resources. The article closed with saying this, if the residents of North Platte were that dedicated to doing whatever they could to help win World War II and serve their soldiers, Christians should be even more committed to serve the Lord any way they can. So as I said, dozens of different opportunities to look at what it means to serve and how to serve one another but as a good Southern Baptist Bible major, I kept coming back to Jesus because he is our example. A little background of John chapter 6 before we get there. The feeding of the 5,000, it is the only recorded miracle in all four Gospels. It can be found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's the only one. It doesn't mean that it's more important than the others, but it holds significance to what was accomplished that day. Now, where John's gospel differs from the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke include John the Baptist's death. John's gospel does not include his death right before the feeding of the 5,000. But despite John the Baptist's death, Jesus served. John chapter 6, verse 1 picks up with this. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. We're going to stop right there. Some time had passed. Commentaries never really agreed on how much time had passed. A day, a week, six months from John's last recorded account of Jesus' ministry to this point. So it is safe to assume that somewhere between 
chapter 5 ending and chapter 6 beginning, and John, Jesus had heard of his best friend dying. But the crowd at the beginning is what stands out. It says that the crowds were following him because of the things that he had done. In other words, the crowd was more interested in what they could get out of Jesus than what they could do for one another. And this isn't anything new, because back in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 39, it says this. It says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, him being Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. The religious leaders were looking for signs. The people were looking for signs. And Jesus called them wicked. Jesus said, the only sign that you will see that proves that I am who I say that I am is the sign of Jonah, which if you know your Bible history, Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. Jesus was in the ground and in the grave for three days, and then he rose again. And that was the only sign Jesus was going to give them. But they still followed after Jesus. Because when you meet people and you meet their needs, they gravitate towards you. The mention of the Passover is also significant to understand what's taking place in the next few verses. As Pastor Andrew talked about in our study of the book of Joshua, how almost every other chapter it felt like we were remembering what God had done on the other side of the Jordan, what God had been doing on this side of the Jordan, how they were always reminded of the battles that they had won because of God's power. The Passover is no different. The Passover was the feast that they celebrated right before the exodus of Egypt when the last plague came upon the Egyptians where the firstborn in Pharaoh's house all the way down to the firstborn of the cattle were killed. And the only way that they were spared was by spreading blood of an unblemished lamb on their door. And it wasn't until I went to school to study that I never understood the significance of a lamb without blemish and putting the blood on the doorpost. When they did that, they made this motion. They made the motion of a cross. The Passover feast was showing and proclaiming that one day the perfect lamb would come and pay for the sacrifice of our sins. But John wanted them to remember the Passover. And then I started to think about First Baptist Church of Oxford. Are we a church that draws people in? You've heard Pastor Richard say this. You heard Pastor Andrew say this. You're going to hear me say this now. The one thing that drew Julie and I to this church was 
the love and the compassion and the servant attitudes that you have for one another. So it was easy for me to say, yes, First Baptist Church of Oxford is a church that serves one another. But our job isn't done there. The youth, our student name is Shine Student Ministry because we are called to be a light in a dark world. And that's what we are to do as a church. Matthew 5, 16, it says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And what I love about that passage is it says, let your works give God glory. Nobody else. So that's the foundation of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, about why the Passover is mentioned, why the crowd is mentioned. But this is my favorite part of the passage, picking up in verses 5 through 9. And it says this, Lifting the crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? God doesn't test us to show us how little faith we may have, but he tests us to reveal how much faith and we believe in him. God was always looking out for the needs of others. Again, some time had passed in this chapter. The other Gospels, John the Baptist, was just killed. If anybody had any excuse to go away, to be alone, it was Jesus. But he didn't. Jesus kept working. And then in verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. 200 denarii, I had to look up what that meant in today's money. It's a year's salary. Philip was telling Jesus, you could work for an entire year and you couldn't provide for these people if you wanted to. But before that, in verse 6, it says Jesus asked him this, already knowing what he was going to do. The disciples had seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and they still told Jesus it's impossible. I can only imagine that Jesus was probably taken aback a little bit at that, probably shook his head. But the testing of our faith is what grows us. It's what stretches us. It's what allows 
imperfect people to complete the perfect will of God. And as the church, you and I, we get to be the hands and feet of that mission. As Christ followers, we have no option but to be the hands and feet of that mission. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go is an action. It doesn't mean to sit here in the church in our comfort zones and to wait for the people to come to us. It means to go. Teaching them everything that I have commanded you. But just like in verse 6 in this passage, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I am with you till the end. If Jesus calls you to it, he will see you through it. But my favorite part are the last couple of verses in chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. It says this. Jesus said, had the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, which if you take into account children, spouses, there was probably over 10,000 people here that day. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Jesus had the crowd sit down. And I think this was for two purposes. One, because they were about to see a miracle and they probably would have been knocked out seeing what was about to take place. But it also puts Jesus in the place of authority. That too often in our lives, we need to sit down and we need to remember where Jesus belongs. And that is at the front of our lives. But Jesus also sat down because when you go to a restaurant and you're about to eat, the waiter comes out and they serve you. And that's what Jesus was about to do for these people. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. From the moment that Jesus was able, he was serving. There's a, an account where Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem. They take Jesus with them, and Mary and Joseph leave. I don't know how far they got down the road before 
they realized Jesus wasn't with them. I'm not a parent. I can't imagine losing a child in a store, but could you imagine losing Jesus? Yeah. So they went back, and they found Jesus in the temple. And they said, Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus said, if you had known, I am here doing my Father's will. That's why I tell the youth, the children, and I'll tell you young at heart, it doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, if God calls you to serve and puts that burning in your heart, who are we to say no? The little boy, we don't know his name. We don't know where he came from. He could have been with the crowd traveling with them, or he could have been in the city, and he heard that this man Jesus was coming. And the only thing that we know about this little boy is he was there with Jesus, and he was willing to give everything he had. Five loaves and two fish. These fish weren't salmon. They weren't big trout. A lot of people believe that they were the size of a, um, just lost the word, sardine. A very tiny fish. But as my slide says, small gifts, big God. The prayer that Jesus offered was to remind the followers and his disciples where our strength and our provisions come from. Jesus being fully man, yet fully God, understood that God was his provider. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus wanted the people to understand that the good shepherd will provide no matter how big or small the gift was. And then the 12 baskets taken up. And if you didn't pay attention, it says each one ate until they're filled. Last night after the concert, we went to Olive Garden, and I can tell you we all ate for our fill. But... Jesus provided with a small gift. The 12 baskets, Paul or who? John opened, reminding the people of God's provision for the Israelites with the Passover and the remembrance of this, but also the 12 baskets that the disciples picked up. And also, did you notice Jesus had a cleanup crew? The 12 baskets symbolized the 12 tribes of Israel that just like God provided the manna, the quail, the water out of the rock for the Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness, how their clothes never torn, how their sandals never worn, this was a reminder that if you are willing to give God everything you have, you will bless. The blessing the crowd got the blessing.
So you may be asking yourself, that's a great story. You know, that little boy had a lot of faith to hand five loaves, two fish. It's easy to give Jesus everything when you're there with Jesus and you can see him performing these miracles. I would agree, yes, it is easier. But we're still called to do the same no matter what. Yeah, but Brandon, you don't know what I've done in the past. I can't serve God. Rahab was a prostitute, and God used her to protect the, uh, the spies as they were going out through the land of Canaan. Yeah, but God, I'm afraid to get up in front and talk to people, and I can't do what you, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Richard, do. He used Gideon, a man who was afraid of his own shadow, to defeat armies. Yeah, but, but Brandon, I, I cuss a lot. I, I use the Lord's name in vain. He can't use me. He used Peter, who denied him three times before he went on the cross. And before that, before the denial, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church talking about Peter, even though he knew the denials were coming. It's easy to make excuses when it comes to serving one another, to serving the church. And I know there are a lot of you in this room who give your time, your financial support, and from the bottom of my heart, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Richard, we thank you for everything that you do for our church. For those of you who may be on the fence about serving, well, I just don't know where to serve. Come find me. I'd love to get you connected with these kids. And believe me, you'll have more fun than they do leading them. I want to sing. Go find Pastor Richard in the back. He would love to talk to you about joining the choir. And if you can't sing, he'll put you in the very back. <laughs> but there are opportunities to serve if we are just willing. And it reminded me of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah sees the throne room of God, the angels singing back and forth, and then a voice from the throne calling out, who shall go? Who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord. Send me. I pray that First Baptist Church of Oxford would be that voice of send me, Lord. Here I am. Because in my experience, when you get to serve others, when you get to get on your hands and knees and do something for someone else, you're blessed more than that person is. And if you don't believe me, I would challenge you to try it out sometime. But the truth today is this. When we serve God, he will use our gifts to bless others, no matter how small or big our gifts may be. Five loaves and two fish fed 10,000 people. Imagine what you could do if you just say, yes, Lord, here I am. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you again for this opportunity that you have allowed us to meet together. And God, I thank you for this reminder in your word of how we are to serve one another. And that we can see that not only through your example of how you serve the 5,000, but the faithfulness of this little boy being willing to give everything that he had to help others. And God, I pray that that would be the burden and the desire of not only my heart, but everybody here at First Baptist Church of Oxford, that we would be a church that would not only seek to serve each other, but that we would seek to serve our community. That the works that we do, as your word says, to let our light shine so that you get the glory alone. And that this community would be transformed by our willingness to serve. God, we thank you that you do allow imperfect people to seek out your perfect will. And I pray that we would never lose sight of that. But God, today, if there is someone in this room who doesn't know you, that doesn't know what it means to serve because they don't have a servant's heart, because they don't have a relationship with you, I pray that before they leave today, that they would make that relationship new. That your word is very clear that if we believe in our heart, that if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and that you were raised from the dead, we will be saved. That that's all it takes, God. And for someone in this room today, that could be the first step of serving is to say, Lord, I will serve you with everything I have by giving you my life. Lord, for those of us in this room who have a relationship with you, I pray that you would put the burden on our heart to serve. That if there isn't an opportunity for them to serve here, that they would seek out opportunities in their community, whether it be at school, work, grocery store, wherever it may be, that you would allow us to be the hands and feet of your gospel message. God, we love you, and we ask that your will would be done during this time of invitation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.